the idea of Quick is that you can have instantly loadable applications that have almost zero JavaScript on them. And that is achievable by pattern that Quick is kind of introducing, which is the pattern of resumability. Hi there, and welcome to PodRocket, a podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket combines session replay, error tracking, and product analytics to help software teams solve user-reported issues, find those issues faster, and improve conversion and adoption. Get a free trial at LogRocket.com today. We're joined with Yoav Ganbar, who, besides being a speaker, head of developer experience at Builder.io, and the host of his own FedBytes podcast, Yoav recently had a blog post titled Resumable React, how to use React inside of Quick, which framework inside of another framework sounds a little wonky, but we're going to be delving into why is this so powerful and why is this going to be a window of opportunity for a lot of developers trying to improve their quality of builds. So welcome to the podcast, Yoav. Really excited to have you today. Uh, Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. What inspired you to delve into this blog post? Because it's if people want to go check it out, it's detailed. It really walks you through a tutorial about how to set up React inside of Quick. What urged you to try to get deep into Quick in particular? Because your website's built in Astro, right? My website is built in Astro. And that is because like it took me a while to get to it, to just build it. And it's a project that I've been procrastinating on for such a long time. And when Astro... 1.0 dropped, I started building it and it just, and it became a thing, right? You get into it for you for a few days, it becomes a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what my website is built with Astro just because that was the hot thing at the time. <laughs> and this was before I got deep into Quick and a little bit before I joined Builder. I don't know, it just ended up like that, but I might just uh, rewrite it in Quick soon enough. Rewrite your blog post in Quick, which is, I mean, I'm already wanting... No, no, no. I, I made my blog itself, the blog site. Rewrite the blog site. Yeah. So that begs a question for me right away, you have, because for me, Quick is not my go-to static site solution. Quick offers a lot of possibilities of how I could use interactive components, server-side rendered components, and stuff like this. Before we maybe get into the React side of things, why at a very fundamental level are you reaching for potentially quick to rebuild your blog website? And maybe we can also define what is quick for people listening who have not heard of it before. Okay, maybe we should start with the basics, right? Let's define what quick is. And I'm going to be not step on my toes here and just go straight to, to the documentation site right now. And the way we, we describe it right now and at this point in time before we do an overhaul on our messaging and, and website, it is a framework that's reimagined for the itch. The idea of Quick is that you can have instantly loadable applications that have almost zero JavaScript on them. And that is achievable by pattern that Quick is kind of introducing, which is the pattern of resumability. And to understand resumability, one must kind of think there are two metaphors that work, I think, best to describe this. So one is VMs. So a VM, for those who don't know, a virtual machine is a basic way to containerize an operating system with programs and whatnot within it. 
And on a virtual machine, you can start up an application. For example, I don't know, something like Word or Word Processor. You could start writing that, that document, and then you could shut down the virtual machine, take that file of the virtual machine, pass it to a different machine, start it up, and it will start from that exact point in time, right? Right at that document without the whole boot up process and everything. And Quick kind of takes the same approach, but for HTML and JavaScript. It does the work on the server. It serializes all the things it needs, pauses it in time, and then when it goes to the browser, you basically start it up right from that point in time. So that is one way to think about it. The second way, which might resonate even better, is to think about it like downloading a video versus streaming a video. So back in the elder days, right, this is before Netflix and whatnot, to play a video file, you'd have to go download the file, get the whole file on your computer, and then start it up with whatever media software you're using. And only then you can watch it when you finish download. But nowadays, with things like YouTube and whatnot, you're, you have streaming. You can start watching a video, stop it at some point in time, and then in a different machine or a different device, just go and start it from that exact point in time. And what happens there is that you don't have the whole video, and then you're starting from that particular time, but you're actually getting chunks of video that are streaming in. So then you can watch. So with Quick, when you think about the JavaScript loads, the way it works is you get the HTML and the JavaScript just streams in when you need it. Like as soon as you kind of hover over a button, for example, that has an on-click function method, then that particular chunk will be loaded at the time it's needed. However, it's worth pointing out that we already download that chunk beforehand using something that's called speculative model fetching. So there is a service worker in Quick that is in charge of actually knowing what to download ahead of time. And there's a lot of heuristics to it. This is a little bit more of a deep dive uh, later on, maybe that we can go into, but that's the basic idea. Because at a very high level, Quick's got to have at least some knowledge of what JavaScript exists at the omniscient high level so it can figure out. I would assume. So it needs to figure out. It needs to generate some interfaces, some types. I don't know what, what the quick version of this would be, but it needs to have some holistic view of what you're trying to present so it can then figure out how to incrementally stream it. When you when you rebuilt your blog website, when you chose Astro, did you choose Astro? You said it was just like the new shiny thing. You reached for it. It was really fast. Do you expect to have the same sort of benefits if you were to rewrite it in quick? Would you be reaching for the same advantages? There would be the same advantage because quick video of quick is it doesn't it blurs the barrier between SBA, MPA, and static generation. You can do all of those with quick, and you wouldn't have to think about it too much. That is one of the beauties that I see in quick. Right, the X is just there, so it does support the same kind of things that Mar that Astro does. So if you write a Markdown file, MD file, or MDX file, it'll just render it out in the route according to how it works. And again, it's worth mentioning that along with Quick, there is Quick City, which is the meta framework that holds like all the stuff that it, that that are in charge of routing, bundling, and splitting into the chunks themselves. So with Astro, what I was going for was having the ability to kind of use different types of frameworks within my little blog application so just to be able to play with it, that was 
the general plan. Because in Astro, you could do that. You could use Vue, React, and whatever. So you were really wanting to try that features. Yep, that is what I tried. But the um, the difference between Astro and Quick on that on the hand, which is it is that Astro in the end, what it does, it's in charge of just a server phrase, right? It renders HTML from React or from Vue or from Angular. But as soon as you want interactivity, then the framework itself needs to go and hydrate itself on a client. So there is no escape from that in Astro. You're still beholden to the framework core code loading and being sent over, you're saying. Exactly. Unlike, unlike in Quick, which uh, is in charge of the whole rendering on the server and on the client. So when you use React Quick, which is what I wrote the blog post about, it does not necessarily have to let React load on the client in order to work, right? It'll render the HTML, but then you could wire it up to either use Quick's fine-grained reactivity, which is signals, or you could let React hydrate according to different directives similar to Astro. And similarly to Astro, when you do that, that is actually an island like Astro has when you have each little piece from different framework is an island by itself. So it's the same idea. We still have the same mental abstraction of islands with Quick, but the paramount distinction here is the heavy lifting of React can be done on the server. And as a result, you're not going to need to send over, ideally, you're not going to need to send over the entire React framework code over to the client. You don't have to. It's it's your choice, right? That is a little kind of thing about it. You have control over it. You can either say, I want to hydrate this and let React internals take over, or I'll just use Quick's methods to actually get, gain reactivity and change detection through signals, but I don't need like the React internals. So I dive into this a little bit in the post itself, right? When I have a material UI component that is from React, which has a, a ripple effect that is through JavaScript, right? But for those who don't know, Material UI is built with Emotion, if I remember correctly. So that's a CSS and JS solution. And for it to run, it needs React to run, right? So the ripple effect is something that only happens when you have an, an on-click event on a button. But in order to kind of activate that, it needs the actual uh, React code and the hydration process to get there. In my blog post, I have a demo between having only Quick be in charge of rendering that same exact button, but not hydrate React. And another one that does hydrate React. So the one that doesn't hydrate React will not have that ripple effect, but it will have the functionality of adding an on-click. I was just going to ask, so there's a bunch of different directives that you went over in your blog post too, which to me felt slightly more powerful when I look at Astro's directives. Like, like I'm a very basic web developer personally. So for me, what Astro gives me is more than enough to do everything I might need to do. But in your blog post, you went over like, I could load on hover, right? I could load on if something's in view. I, something in view, I think Astro has that as well. But there's two different types of directives. There's the client directive. And then what was the other one that had to do with the hybrid rendering lifecycle? So there are a few strategies. Like we said, there's a, in, in a Quick React, you could either load it once the document loads or you can do it while it's visible, or while the browser main process is idle, or on hover. But there are also three other strategies, which is you could render only when a signal in uh, quick is actually a Boolean is triggered to be true. 
or you could uh, trigger it through some sort of custom event, or you can just say, I want this always to be re rendered on the client and hydrate on the client. And to my recollection, in Astro, they have also kind of client load. Is visible is another one. So when we're installing React into Quick, it's it's also similar to Astro. And I'm always just comparing this to Astro because I think they're two very like compelling cousins, even though they tackle a different use case sort of. But in Astro, so we'll, we'll do Astro add. And it's the same thing in Quick. In your blog post, you sort of walk through. It's one command. You can add the React yeah, so integrations in, in Quick are inspired by Astro in that kind of manners that you could just, if you want to add React, you just go Quick, add React, or if you want to add Tailwind, it's Quick, add Tailwind. And also for our deployment integrations, like, for example, with Vercel and Netlify and all the rest of the adapters we also have for Cloudflare. We have one working for Azure soon and coming up GCP and the rest. So you just go and just say Quick, add Vercel, and you get the whole thing ready up and set up for you and wired up. So yeah, there's a big emphasis on developer experience and why not stand on the shoulders of giants and learn from the best? Yeah, who's the best you of? <laughs> that, who, that's, that's like your your podcast, your meta framework podcast over at FedBytes. People want to listen about who's winning. Yeah. I love that question about who won. I don't even know. That's a very obscure it's an obscure question, and I don't think the answer is definitive. And I think the web developer community is winning generally, right? Because we have great options nowadays. You have so many great options, so many great met, like meta frameworks out there, different flavors and ways of in and building web applications. And like anything in software development, right? There are trade offs, and there are pros and cons to, to every choice you make. But most of the choices nowadays are not choices that are going to get you fired, as uh, Dan Shapiro <laughs> said on our podcast. <laughs> so uh, winning, I, again, it, it's about, it, it depends on how you define it. That is kind of what we got to the conclusions. What is it a winner right now? Is it who whoever has the most market share? Is it the number of websites that have like the framework that has the most websites built with it now nowadays. So if that were the case, then WordPress is winning, right? Because <laughs> still more than 50% is, is using WordPress. Uh, like on your podcast, you say like, oh, well, a lot of people have been doing WordPress sites for a while and it's been around for years. So naturally there's a lot of WordPress sites. On the flip side of that argument though, like there's still tons of people making WordPress sites. Like it's just never going to go away. It's ever popular. And I think that I love that you highlight we have options as developers. It's the community that's winning. It's empowering to think about us having a choice and that choice being okay and not black and white. No, it's never been better to be a web developer nowadays. I am thinking like going back like eight, 10 years, it was much more. I feel, again, there are some people that say that today web development is more complex than it was. But I don't know if you remember like JavaScript fatigue in 2017 and all that fun stuff and and every framework coming around and taking a different take. And then it looked like it was too much. But nowadays people look at, I, again, this is my experience. Now when I look at it, I said, no, this is great. We got great, a lot of options and a lot of different ways of doing it, which is fantastic, right? So 
I don't know, Svelte is awesome. React has always been like a shift forward compared to what Angular was. But now we have signals coming back that were cool, like back in knockout days and backbone and whatnot. Backbone? I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't get a chance to work with Backbone, but yeah. Just yesterday, Mishko Heavery, who is the CTO at Builder, and the brains behind Quick just put out a post of his kind of journey in the history of reactivity. So he went down the line and all the different kind of frameworks that he went through with while building Angular until he got to Quick. So he did the touch upon Backbone and there's some code there that are written. And it doesn't look that much different than what we have today for like reactive languages or libraries, right? It's just interesting. We actually have an episode with Mishko where we step into the basics of Quick. If anybody wants like a longer Quick centric episode, like go check that one out. I'm just going to take a quick pause here to remind listeners that PodRocket, our podcast, is brought to you by LogRocket. And LogRocket, it's, it can really help you be a better web developer because it can help you understand exactly how your users are experiencing your digital product, your website, your complicated DOM tree, no matter what it is. There's session replay, error tracking, product analytics, frustration indicators, and we have algorithms and AI that surface the most impactful issues affecting your users. And you can spend more time building, experimenting, checking out libraries rather than hunting through tools. So solve user reported issues, find those issues faster, and improve conversion and adoption today with LogRocket. All right, so moving back on to what we were talking about, Yoav, you are right now developer experience at Builder.io. Mishko, he's heading Builder.io as well. What does Builder.io do? Builder's product is a drag and drop editor, which can connect to any front end stack. And that is cool, if you ask me. And the way that I... Yeah, so it can connect to any of them. Any of them. And this is done by the help of another open source project that we maintain called Mitosis. And Mitosis is what helps us build our SDKs. And shout out to Sammy Jabber, who is the one maintaining most of our SDKs and maintaining Mitosis. The general idea of Mitosis is you write JSX and it compiles to every kind of framework. So it spits out Angular components, React, all of them, Stencil even, Web components, you name it, it does it almost. And another cool feature of Mitosis is it has two different kinds of syntax. You could write JSX, or you can write it Sveltosis style, which is Svelte kind of syntax, which is a community uh, uh, contribution that was made not recently ago. Because Svelte has a whole other like rhythm to the way you go about and, and write your code. So I guess it... Yes and no. I don't know. When I tried... It's similar to the old days of just having HTML, CSS, and, and JavaScript, like in the script tag. But uh, you could put it in one file, which is... or you put in one file in a more cohesive way, maybe. That's from my experience again. So over at Builder, I feel like you're solving a developer efficiency and organization problem because we have Mitosis. We have this way to create framework agnostic components that can be compiled down to React, Vue, whatever. And now, I mean, we're coming out with your blog post where it's, okay, now that you have your React components, here's how we can use them in the fastest way possible using Quick on the web. And it, you, there's this whole end-to-end -end solution here for running a development team that you guys are coming up with. Is that sort of the direction that Builder is moving in as a, uh, where it's, you're marking your space in the developer community? Builder.io is it's trying to solve the problems for developers and which are our users <laughs> of it, right? 
we have, so we have quick for handling first party code to make the best, fastest kind of website or app that you want to build. We have Party Town, that is an, another open source library we maintain that was built by Adam Bradley, one of our as of engineering, who is also behind Stencil and Ionic. And he built Party Town, which is a tool to tame your third party scripts, right? By moving them onto a web worker and then by that freeing the main thread and helping you perform better. And then we have Mitosis, which is to generate all the code you need for different frameworks. And you have Builder, the product itself, which is for handling first-party content. But not only that, it's also take off some of the overhead that developers have from their marketing team or product managers that might come to you every Monday and Thursday saying, oh, you know, I want to change that homepage text from uh, buy now to order now. And then that goes in and there's a ticket then you need to push code to get it to run, then with Builder, you, you can kind of say, okay, this section inside our app is going to be controlled by our content team or by our marketing team or product managers or whoever, even a developer. And what you put in this content section can be just components that you drag and drop. And we have built-in components in Builder that you can drag and drop for images, a text and whatnot, all the regular stuff. But the coolest part is you can actually register components from your own code, regardless of the framework you're using, and register them to the Builder UI, and then give control to someone to drag and drop your components that you built as a developer inside that section. So, and that section can be as small as you want or big as you want. And on top of that, we are also a CMS. So you could also manage your data there. And it's kind of the, the trifecta of it all. I don't know about you, but I've worked on a lot of content heavy sites in my day. And I've always, and anyone, any developer that has worked in this space, I think has thought at some point, how about I just build my own CMS? And it's always e an easy thought at first. Yeah, exactly. But it's much more complicated than you think. But for me, when I first started using Builder, and this was before I worked at Builder. So before Builder, I worked at Fiverr and was building a product. And, and when I hooked up Builder, I was amazed by how easy it was to hook it up. Second of all, how easy it was to give control over to someone else how much headache it took away from me. And it had all the features I wanted as a CMS. And that really made me kind of fall in love. And then later on, that kind of led to me enjoying the builder. Do you feel like there's a generally optimal setup of how we can develop a content-rich website that for 80% of cases is carried between teams? And I'm thinking like, you have an external CMS that is hosted by a service somewhere and it's good to have that. It'll never go down. You know, you don't have to think about it. So you have some CMS, you have some WYSIWYG or visual editor for your non-developers to work on customer facing material. Then you have some transpiling compilation process, and then you have some sort of meta framework and framework hosting your site. I feel like that's a very common setup that we're starting to see across a variety of sites you like using these paramount features. Mm -hmm. Do you think like we're going to start to see that having like a more and more congruent setup between teams. Cause even if I go from one startup to another big company, there's still like differences. And 
I almost feel like we're starting to develop this sense about like, here's the best way to do it. Like here's, there's always differences between teams or differences between marketing teams, but in general, oh yeah, we will use a hosted CMS. We're done trying to mess with building our own. Are we getting to that stage at all? Or are we always, are the teams always going to be pushing the boundary, you think, and trying to rebuild the CMS problem? Well, I think that developers are always going to try and figure out and solve problems, even solve problems, <laughs> just because developers are opinionated people, right? And there's always someone that thinks he might do a better job than someone else. And I think also that is a core to technology innovation is always even trying to solve something that's already solved, but maybe you're making, tweaking it a little bit more and making it a little bit better, more, a little bit better. I don't think as a community, we'll come to a point that we're going to agree on something <laughs> completely because otherwise we'd, we'd be still just writing jQuery all day, right? Or <laughs> whatever, or still using, building sites using WordPress. Because if you think about it, WordPress is a great solution, right? It gives you most of the things you need to build a website. It gives you also tools for non-developers to kind of work behind the scenes and enter content. It gives you a UI. Uh, you can host it anywhere. It works. So why isn't everybody using WordPress? Because People expect a little bit more because WordPress has its problem, right? There's no such thing as something without downfalls or trade-offs, like we mentioned before. But nowadays, I think what developers are looking for is much more having a good experience building something and being able to iterate and build faster in order to get better UX for their users. Right, but there has always been this kind of tug of war between DX and UX. Every time there was an improvement in DX, that made developers maybe build some more things or add more interactivity, and that kind of hurt the user experience. And then another framework came and maybe made that kind of fix that little problem and and made rendering a little bit faster or or service added server side rendering and that made perceived performance look a little bit better and it's always this tug of war but it's it's an upward trajectory right that's how i see it and with quick for example i see that we're converging and something that is Great DX on one hand, because you the, the way you work with Quick is you don't have to think about things like performance because it's performant by default. That is what we were going for. That is what Manu and Adam and Mishko have been tirelessly working on is making it like something you don't have to think about. It's really hard, if not almost impossible, to write bad performance code with Quick. And just because of the way it works and the foundations it lays on, right? Because other frameworks at this point, it doesn't matter. The more you add features, the more code you generate, the more JavaScript you're shipping down the wire, it exponentially grows. With Quick, because you have resumability and you serialize everything into HTML and you only load the chunks you need, you can kind of achieve an O of one framework which only loads when it needs. So it doesn't matter how many features you add, you're always going to have a perform nap. Because we're streaming it, essentially. I uh, That's how I always get brought back to that mental model. Of, I'm streaming my app over as needed. Yeah. And um, I think another cool thing, just to bring us back to the blog post, 
Yoav is you meant you even like point out the power that Vite gives your render like to react. And I, I think the blog post is a really great place if people want to start taking that next step into like using a meta framework. They want to start figuring out like what is the newest and greatest in developer experience. Like this is it. Like go run that one command, put React into a quick app, follow you of blog post. And I thought it's really cool at the end. It's kind of like, oh yeah, because you point out you can do it, you can load it this way, you can load it that way. And at the end, all of this it still works under V. We still like have a j- small single file bundle at the end. And yeah, it's just exciting. We're opening up the opportunity for somebody like myself who might not be a web-only developer to make a fast website without shooting myself in the foot and not having to think a lot. Exactly. So if someone is not an experienced developer and then he picks up React, so for example, someone that's a full stack and does mostly backend stuff, he picks up React and then he learns about hooks so I can write something. And then he writes this very complicated uh, component or application and then rendering starts to lag and all that. And then he shows it to someone that knows React and he's, oh, you didn't use memo and you didn't do use callback and you forgot to memoize your functions. And then he's like, all I did was write some code in the flick of a button. <laughs> what I envision is a good future for the web is reducing the number of foot guns that we can have. Because there are so many things that can go array when writing applications and websites. And if frameworks and libraries and the tools we're having are, are, are creating maybe new problems, maybe it's not such a good way. And again, I have to say, I love React. I've been a React developer for many years, and it has been a paradigm shift in the industry, and it has done amazing, amazing things. However, nowadays, I, I sometimes, like, really have this point where I get frustrated so much with all those things you need to remember when you're writing React that I say, maybe I don't want to write React anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Or give me some help to write it. Yes. Yeah. Give me some help. Give me better linters. Give me better tools that'll actually already do this. But yeah, it is how it is. How it is. Yo, I've... Thank you for your time coming on and putting out this blog post. Because, I mean, like I said, for anybody trying to step into Quick for your first time, you're in React and you want to figure out, I don't want to have to remember memo or I don't want to like go crazy on making the website super performant. Go check it out. Resumable React, using React inside of Quick. And yo, if people wanted to follow you and learn about more blog posts coming out, more tutorials, you do have your personal site, which we mentioned at the beginning, which is currently written astro you might re- rewrite and quick later what about on twitter what's your handle if people wanted to follow you so my website and my twitter handle is hamato yogi spelled like it sound like but h-a-m-a-t-o-y-o-g-i and uh, my website is hamato yogi.dev and that's my twitter handle there is a story behind the nickname so if you want to ask just ask i've tweeted about it once Expect much more things coming out in the Builder blog, which is my main focus. I have not put out stuff on my personal blog enough lately. I'm hoping also to to make a lot more cool demos with the Quick React and show you that you could also use Frame Motion within there and other cool React libraries. Yeah, that is my plan. But again, not enough hours in the day. <laughs> Never. But we're going to expect some more potentially react centric quick centric posts coming out from you in the near future yeah i think that something i'd want to focus on is seeing how maybe we could 
show a migration pass from React to Quick. So having either a way to to quickly start a Quick app and have kind of maybe a map of how you'd transfer a React application into a Quick application, then slowly chip away and take like certain pieces you want or certain like pages you want of your React application and just move them to Quick all by being very incremental and you could just use React Quickify for certain things. When you're ready, you could move them to Quick. So that's something I'm thinking about. Thanks again, Yoav. Thank you for having me, Paul.